Hey, thank you so much for joining us in the Kingdom Church Podcast. You're listening to the third part of our series called Hashtag Throwback. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy the message. Hey, why don't you guys stay standing for just a second? Just want to welcome every single person here right now, here this morning, uh, to our church online family that's watching. We love you. So happy to be here. We love to stay standing. Uh, we read an opening passage of scripture just to give honor to the word and uh, just get our hearts ready to receive what God's about to do. So Genesis chapter 12 is where we're starting this morning. And uh, it's not on the screen quite yet because the screen is being controlled by demons right now. And so uh, if you guys have a Bible, Genesis 12, if not, listen to my words very carefully. Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. We're in the, the second part, third part of our series called Hashtag Throwback. And so uh, the title of our message this morning is Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. Hey, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. So good. So glad you guys could be here. Hello, you're still attached. It's one of those days, one of those days. So good. Hey, we're on the screen now. Amazing. Um, so I just have a question online. Let us know. You're there. We love you online. Everyone in the building. Uh, anyone here ever played the game uh, Bigger Better before? Bigger Better. For those of you guys never played it, never heard of it, uh, the gist of the game is this. Uh, generally speaking, in Bigger Better, you'll take something small, whether it's like a paper clip or a bobby pin, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to trade it for something bigger and better. And so when I worked at summer camp out in Theodore, Saskatchewan, this was a game we would play with our staff. It was a game called Bigger Better. And so what we would do, we'd get in teams, we'd get a paper clip, and we'd have two hours to see which team could trade their paper clip for something bigger and better. Now, the only problem is we were playing the game in Theodore, Saskatchewan, and no offense to my Theodoreans, there's not much in Theodore, Saskatchewan. And so for us, when we played that game, I remember the best thing, the highest value thing we almost traded for uh, was a 12-pack of beer. Uh, the problem was it's Christian camp, and uh, half our team was underage, and so we had to reject the trade. But the premise of bigger, better is you're trading something small, trying to get something bigger and better. And so what happened kind of in the midst of this quarantine is there's a girl in San Francisco, and she's taken this game to the next level. Some of you guys may have heard of it, her followed her journey, but what she's trying to do, she's trying to trade her bobby pin all the way up until she can get her own house. And so she started her journey three months ago, midst of quarantine. As of today, she has three million TikTok followers, uh, like 18 million views, blowing up. And so in three months from that bobby pin, currently she's traded all the way up. She went from like earrings to like wine glasses. Right now, she has an iPhone 11 from a bobby pin. That's where she is, but her, her goal, she's only halfway there. She's trying, I guess, probably like a quarter of the way there, <laughs> third of the way there. She's trying to get uh, a house, 
And so that's the whole premise of Bigger Better. And the reason she's doing this is apparently in the pre-social media days back in 2005, someone was able to do this. They are able to go from a, a, a pin all the way up into a house. That's just the idea of Bigger Better. You're always trying to turn something that's invaluable into something that is valuable. And as I was thinking about that game, I just began to think about the spiritual implications of that game about bigger, better. And I just began to realize that God often plays the game of bigger, better. God will take things, God will take people that at times are forgotten, at times that are seen as unvaluable, and God will turn them into something bigger and better. God could turn a bobby pin into an iPhone 11. Come on, somebody. We're in the third part of our series, hashtag throwback. And what we're doing in this series, uh, just make some noise real quick. Anyone been here for any part of the series or heard it online? Come on, somebody. Church online, we want to hear you as well. Uh, For anyone that has been here or missed what we're doing in this series is we are throwing it back to the very first book in the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. And what we've been doing in this series is just looking at the oldest stories in the Bible and taking practical uh, applications for our days today, for, our, for today. And so what we're doing, what we did two weeks ago, we looked at the very first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve. Last week we expounded on that. We looked at two of their children, Cain and Abel, and we looked at this whole narrative of how sin entered the world, but how God meets us in the midst of our mess. And so what we're doing today, that was Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4. I want to skip all the way, someone say all the way, way. to Genesis chapter 12. We'll be in chapter 11 for a little bit as well. And what I want to do is I want to look at the story of Abraham. Now Abraham, he's probably one of the most famous characters in in the Old Testament. Hello. Uh, In the Old Testament, but he's definitely the most famous character. What was funny? I missed it. I was questioning. Get behind me, Satan. I guess it's already behind me. Um, Looking at one of the oldest characters in the Bible, uh, one of the most famous characters in the Bible, Abraham. And so Abraham is so important. He's such an important character that we're going to be spending at least three weeks on him. Possibly four weeks. But I'm super excited, other than the fact that I love the story of Abraham, I'm super excited because as of right now, I'm only preaching one part of the Abraham arc. We got some guest speakers coming up. Come on, somebody. And so next week, I have a really good friend of mine. He's coming here to preach, and uh, his name is Abraham. That's not why he's coming to preach, but it just works out. (laughs) Excited for that. Love him, but I'm more excited for two weeks. Because in two weeks, for the very first time in the history of Kingdom Church, the best preacher in the entire world who has never preached is going to be preaching, and that is my wife, Christy. Come on, somebody. So in two weeks, first week in August, you don't want to miss that because it's going to be so good. It's going to be spitting fire and uh, all that good stuff. Story of Abraham, uh, we're going to be here for a few weeks. And, and the reason I want to just park in Abraham is for a number of reasons. Number one, the book of Genesis spans like 2,000 years in, in terms of history and what it covers. But in terms of the vast amount of things that it covers, it slows down tremendously when it comes to Abraham. In fact, the story of Abraham takes up one-third of the book of Genesis. And what that's letting us know is that Abraham is an important character. He was important then, and he's important now. In the world that we live in today, three of the largest world religions, Christianity and Islam being the top two world religions, and then Judaism, all three of these large religions would consider themselves Abrahamic religions. In other words, Abraham plays a central role in their faith. And so Abraham plays a central role in the Bible, but he also plays a central role in our world 
today. And so that's why I want to take time to really suss out his story. And the reason he's going to be important for today and the context of what we're going in this series, if you guys were with us, we read Genesis chapter 3.15 a few weeks ago, and that was where sin entered the world, but then God put a plan in place to save the world. We said it was the first good news, Genesis 3.15. And what I'm going to show us today is that Abraham is a vital part of the plan for the redemption of people through God. But more than that, I want us to, sh- I want us to see how God works. Because what we're going to see is that God has this way of making things that often don't seem that valuable as bigger, better, and useful. Anyone ready to go this morning? Come on, somebody. Love the energy. So Genesis chapter 12, I think this thing's behaving now, uh, I believe. Verse 1, we just read it. It says this, and I want to take some stuff from the things that we've read. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Now, I want us to see this for a number of reasons. Number one, I just kind of told you guys Abraham is an important dude. A lot of people now know Abraham as the father of faith. But what I want us to see, what I need us to see, is that it wasn't always like that. Abraham did not start out as the father of faith. Abraham started out in obscurity. And so here's the thing I want us to understand. Because for so many of us, we look at this story and I kind of I suss it out. Man, Abraham is important. He, he's someone that is, is touching the whole world. And for a lot of us, we want to live in a way where it's like, man, I want to have an impact. I want to make a difference. I want to change the world. But here's the first thing I want us to understand. Before we can change the world, before God can do anything, what he says to Abraham, he says one thing. He says, Abraham, I need you to leave your country. It's, it's a small thing. But here's what I want us to understand. Because we're looking at this process. How does God bless us? How does God make us bigger and better? Super simple. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. We always have to take the first step. We have to take the first step step. There is always a first step in whatever journey of life, in whatever thing that we are striving to do. If we want to make a difference, if we want God to use us, there is a first step that we must take. For Abraham, God said, leave your country. Now, for a lot of us, we're asking ourselves, what is my first step? You see, I think one of the reasons that so many of us miss our first step is because instead of looking at the first step, we try to skip all the way to step three. And step four and step five, it's like, what is my life going to look like five years from now, three years from now, and we miss the first step. And so here's the thing I want us to understand. It may seem elementary. It may seem small. But in order for us to begin the process of God using us, we must take the first step. For some of us who are asking ourselves, well, what is my first step? I just happen to believe people in this room, people listening to this message, for some people, that first step in your life is responding to the voice of God. And maybe God is pushing you in a direction where he's saying, hey, I want you to actually start that business. This is from me. I I want you to take that step. I want you to pursue that degree. I want you to pursue that job. For some of us, it's as simple as this. God is saying, hey, for the very first time in your life, I want you to take our walk seriously. I want you to pray every day. I want you to read your Bible. It's just taking that first step. But what happens for so many of us is we get caught up looking at the next step that we forget the first step. And what happens when we miss the first step is that we end up stuck where we are. 
You see, what God says to Abraham, God says, leave your country. Now, we need to understand what country symbolizes to Abraham because it's very important to us. His country was familiar. His country was secure. His country was a place. That was all he knew. And so what God was calling Abraham to do, really, what was his first step? God was saying, you need to leave your comfort. You need to leave what is comfortable. Anytime God calls us to something, I believe this to be true, one of the reasons that we will push it off, one of the reasons we won't respond to that voice is because what God calls us to do will oftentimes be uncomfortable. God says, leave your country. It's like one of the biggest things for me, for me that I was able to do, that, that a step in my life was starting this church. And when God put the vision for this church on my heart, man, it was a big vision, just reaching people, saving lost people. And, man, it's amazing to be standing in the vision. It's amazing to see all y'all social distance, everyone online. But I want you guys to know this is still not the vision that God gave me. Come on, somebody. Because there's more people that need to hear about Jesus. There's more people that need hope. But listen, listen, listen. That vision, that picture that I had, it was so big and it was so grand. And I believe big visions come from God. I believe big plans come from God. But in order to get to that big vision, in Abraham, God says, God, I, says I will bless you. But in order for us to get to over there, which is step three, four, five, we have to take the first step, which is to leave comfort. For myself personally, and this was about two and a half years ago, I had to quit the job that I was at. And the job that I was at, it, it signified security. Slash salary, come on, somebody. But what happened is that God said, if, if this is the dream, this is what I want you to do, you have to take the first step. And so what God's asking us here this morning, because listen to this, friends, I just happen to believe God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. But in order for us to do that, we have to take the first step. We have to leave comfort. So I need you guys to write this one down, taking notes, right? Comfort stalls calling. Comfort stalls calling. One of the reasons we don't step into those doors, one of the reasons we don't listen to those inclinations on our hearts is because it's going to be uncomfortable. But what I've seen over and over and over again is that comfort stalls calling. Now listen, when I say this, I'm not just saying it to say it. I happen to believe it's true. I happen to believe that God has a plan for each and every one of us in this room. Some of us like, even me? I happen to believe that God has a vision for every single person in this room. I happen to believe God wants to use you to change the world. How? Through one person. You are put on this earth to reach people, to change someone's life. I just happen to believe that. But in order for God to use us, in order for us to begin to actually change people, to change lives, invest in people, we have to step out of comfort. This is one of the reasons, if you've been at Kingdom Church for any amount of time, I always say, hey, invite someone to church. Why? Two reasons. Number one, I believe lives are actually changed here. Come on, somebody. But number two, I know that when you invite someone, it actually pushes you outside of your comfort zone. Because it's not always comfortable to invite people to church. But what will they think of me? Listen, we're talking about the first step. For some of us, it's a point, listen, listen, listen you actually need to start telling people you're a Christian. Because you live your life, and it's like, I'm, yeah, life is good here in these four walls. But when you leave this place, no one knows who you are. And so God, I just believe it. He has a plan in your life. But for some of us, that first step is just being bold enough to say, I actually love Jesus. I follow Jesus. 
And, and this can be hard because it's uncomfortable. Because it's the climate right now. It's like, well, Harrison, I don't think people like Christians. They don't like what we stand for. How can I invite someone to church? How can I tell someone I'm a Christian? I know it's hard, but you want to know what helped me? What really helped me? Because I had the same struggle. Like, how do I talk about Jesus? How do I tell people I'm a Christian? What helped me is I became a pastor. (laughs) So now when people ask what I do, I have no choice. (laughs) Well, I'm a communicator. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the reason I'm telling you that. Because the coolest thing, and I've, I've been in, in ministry for a while now, but every single time I've told someone I'm a pastor, specifically people that don't have a background in church, they're so excited. And they're just, they're, they're like shocked. They're like, you? Like, you are Puma. Like, you're a pastor. <laughs> and, and, and time and time again, one thing I have seen in these conversations, listen to this, listen to this, is that people are open to hearing about Jesus. The fact is they just actually haven't heard anything. And for a lot of people, because it's like, man, I think people hate God, I think people hate church. No, 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 no. A lot of times people just don't know. They've never heard. And so one thing that's helped me is I'm forced to have these conversations, but when I have them, I've seen time and time again, people actually are open to hearing about Jesus. And so that's why I'm saying for a lot of us, it sounds elementary, but God is saying take the first step. Leave what's comfortable. Invite someone to church. Well, Harrison, it's a pandemic. I don't want church online. It's the simplest thing you can do. Share a link. Share a link, save a life. Come on, write that one down. It's, it's, God just says, leave what is comfortable. And listen to this, listen to this. If we are not faithful in small things, we will never be, and God will never trust us with big things. Sharing our faith, telling people who we are is the smallest thing that we can do if we're believers. Because if Jesus actually redeemed us, if Jesus actually saved our lives, it should brim out of us. Like, I can't even contain it. Like, I talk to people, it's like, I'm not sure it's the right time. If Jesus saved me, there's no wrong time. It just, it comes out of me in every conversation. There's no way that it can't. But God cannot do big things in our life unless we begin to be faithful in the small things, until we begin to take that first step. Listen, for some of us, it's as simple as this, saying, hey, I need to start my day with God. I need to pray. I need to read my Bible every day because listen to this. If I don't start my day with God, I'm rendered useless after that. I know some of y'all are super spiritual. It's like no matter what, I'm filled with joy and peace and happiness. That's not me. Like I need to start my day with God because otherwise I'm a different person. And so it's just, it's a small step, but it's the first step and it makes a huge difference. And so God says, leave your country. Leave what's comfortable. Take the first step. Look what he says. We just read this, but I want to see it again. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, this is so interesting because what God says, God says, go from your country. That's, that's the call, right? That's the first step. Leave your country. It's like, well, where God? God says, I'll show you later. Here's the thing. God just says, take the first step. Because a lot of times it's like, God, I need you to show me the whole path. I need you to show me everything, and then I'll go. God just says, leave your country. I'll show you what's next. Take the first step. You want to know why I think God works like this? I think if God showed us the whole picture, we would never take the first step. Because the whole picture, even a dream, a grand dream, it's not going to look like what you think it looks like. There's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be hard times, bad times, good times, sad times. 
And so God says, take the first step. I can't show you the whole picture because if I showed you the whole picture, you wouldn't take the first step. So just take the first step. It's like, listen, I told you about the step I took with the church, but the very first step in my life, the very first time I ever responded to the call of God was when I was in school and I was studying psychology and I felt that God was telling me to switch my degree from psychology to theology. And I'll never forget when I, I made that switch. I did it in the summer after my first year of university and I came back to school that summer or that fall in September and I was talking to this guy and he's a little bit jaded about church and whatnot, but uh, he's like, hey, I heard that you switched your degree to theology. And he's like, so I guess that means you're going to become a pastor. And it was funny at the time, I guess I had never thought that far in advance, but I was, all, all I really knew is that God told me to switch my degree. He never said anything about being a pastor, starting a church, none of that. He just said, switch your degree. And so I remember what I said to him at the time, and I felt kind of like an idiot, but he's like, so you're going to become a pastor? And I was like, to be honest, I was like, I don't know. And then he's like, well, that and then the guy responded, he's like, well, that seems kind of dumb that you would switch your degree, but you don't know what you want to do. Now, at the time, I was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> but now, if, if I could put some language to it, what I would say to him is like, hey, God only showed me the first step. And that's all I need right now. So listen right now, because some of us are sitting here, and maybe you're saying to yourself, man, that step seems so small, so inconsequential. Why? God, give me something bigger. Listen, he, you just need the first step. That's all you need. That's what God is calling. He says, take the first step. I'll show you the rest later. Because the path is never going to be what you think it is. And so if God showed us the whole picture, many times we never would take the first step. And so what happens in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible tells us that Abraham goes. Abraham goes. He leaves his country. Now, what's interesting, I need you guys to follow this for a second. For a lot of people... When they read the story of Abram, and I should, I should, I should clarify, uh, Abram and Abraham are the same person. In all the texts, it said Abram. I probably said Abraham. Same guy. God changes his name. Forgive me if you were confused. Same person. But for a lot of people, when they read this story, they think that Abram goes right away. God gives him a call, and Abram goes. Genesis 12, the call of God. Abraham, father of faith, man of faith. But what's interesting and what a lot of people don't realize is that this is not the first call that God gives Abram. This is the second call. The first call happens in Genesis chapter 11. And now when you read Genesis chapter 11, you probably won't see it. In fact, you'll miss it. And so as I go through it, you might be like, Harrison, that's a stretch. But the reason it's confirmed is in Acts chapter 7 in the New Testament, when Stephen is getting martyred, he tells us that Abraham was called when he was in Mesopotamia. Abraham was in Mesopotamia in chapter 11, not in chapter 12, which means his first call came in chapter 11. What we just read is the second call of Abram. Everyone following? So you're saying, what happened the first time? Let's find out. Genesis chapter 11 says this. It says, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. How many names? Now, Sarai was childless, but she was not able to conceive. Keep this in mind. We're not talking about this, but it's going to be very important in a couple of weeks. Extremely important when God says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you, but your wife can't conceive. Coming back in a few weeks. 
Terah, look at this, this is the part I want us to see, verse 31, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But, someone say but, when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Some of you guys are like, I don't see it. Here's what you need to understand. There was a call, and I'll explain how we know in a second, in Genesis chapter 11. And the call of Genesis chapter 11 is the exact same call as Genesis chapter 12. And so Genesis chapter 12, again, I'll show it to you just so we have it. It says, God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. In Genesis chapter 11, Abraham starts out on that promise. How we know, again, Acts chapter 7 tells us, but there's clues in, in Genesis chapter 11. Number one, it says they're going to Canaan. Canaan is the promised land that God is taking Abram. Why would he go there unless he's already been called? That's clue number one. Clue number two is this. It says when they left, they went to Haran, and they settled there. So what happened is they're going to the place that God calls them to go. They stop in Haran. Why do they stop in Haran? A number of reasons. Number one, God tells Abraham to go, leave my country, but go by yourself. He says, leave your family. Don't go with your pops and your uncles. He says, go by yourself. Abram doesn't listen. He's like, I'm going to go, but I'm bringing my crew. And so what happens is they get stuck in Haran. Maybe the weather was nice. The ground was luscious, but they get stuck. And so what happens, it says, Terah, his father, lived there 205 years, and he died in Haran. Another clue for how we know there was a call in Genesis 11 is that Terah in Hebrew now means delay. In other words, his father was delaying him from the place that he was supposed to go. There would only be a delay if there was a promise. Now, I'm taking a long time to suss it out because I'm assuming you guys don't believe me. So just in case you don't. But here's what I want us to understand what happens. Abram, he leaves his country but he does two things wrong. Number one, he only follows partially. He leaves his family. He brings his whole family when God says, leave your family. And instead of going on to where God calls him to go, he stops in Haran. He gets stuck in Haran. So here's the thing I want us to understand. For so many of us, God says, take the first step. But what happens is a lot of us take a half step, and then we get stuck in Haran. So listen, write this one down. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Because, listen, for so many of us, we feel these calls. We feel like God is pushing us in a direction. He's nudging us somewhere. And we, and we start off, we start the journey, but then we pause. Then we get stuck in Haran. And, and I'm speaking about Haran metaphorically, but you want to know what Haran looks like in our lives? Haran is, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Haran's, I'm going to start next week. Haran's, like, there's going to be a better time for me to quit. Better time. Haran. So many of us get stuck in Haran. And so what happens is delayed obedience becomes disobedience. Because delayed obedience says, I'm going to do this another time. But the reality of us as people is that when we delay, we end up just not doing it. Come on, anyone can agree with that? I'm going to do it later. This is one of the reasons I encourage people so wholeheartedly. I say, hey, start your days with God. Because like we can spend time with God, yes. But I just happen to know this to be true, at least for my life. If I don't start my day with God, I'm not doing it any time else in my day. Yeah, I'll, I'll pray tonight. I'll pray later. I'll pray 
tomorrow, tomorrow becomes next week, becomes next year. And so we delayed, and so delayed obedience becomes disobedience. And so that's why I say start, start, because if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. Listen, one of the reasons and that we, if you guys are here, you were here for the MC time, that we talk about giving every week is twofold. Number one, when we give, we are able to play a role in this community. I hope you guys know that. And I just want to thank every single person online, every single person in this building for your generosity in this season. It's been so amazing as a church. We've been able to support the St. Albert Food Bank every single month since the pandemic started. And, and we've been able to support at a time where the food bank had more people coming to them than they've ever seen before. And so we want to thank you for that. For those of you guys, a few weeks ago, we were able to put on a drive-in movie event for the community of St. Albert free of charge. You know why it was free of charge? Because the generosity of each and every one of us, they call kingdom home. And so when we sow into this place, we're able to do things. But listen, listen, I was saying the reason that we do a call to offering each and every week and the reason, if you guys don't know, like, why do they have a debit machine? Why do they have a Tidely app? Why do they do e-transfers? Listen, the debit machine is in the back because I know y'all have Apple Pay. Because it's like, ah, I'd give if I just had my wallet and you got your phone. Because I know this to be true. There are moments that happen in this place where the Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, I need you to give because to give is an act of worship. And it's like, yeah, 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 I do want to give. I do want to invest in what God is doing. I don't have a lot, but I got something. But what happens is we leave this place. It's like, oh, I'll do it later. Next week, next year. And what happens, listen to this. this, is, this is, and I'm using giving as a metaphor. It's true for everything in our lives. Delayed obedience becomes disobedience. You see, the call of our lives, God wants us to be contributors, not consumers. And when we delay we move from contributor, we move from, cons we move from uh, being a contributor to being a consumer. Because when God is making a call in our lives, when God is saying move, when God is saying give, he's saying partner financially, he's saying join the team, use your gifts. What God is trying to do, God is trying to get us to contribute. Because the call of our lives is to contribute, it's not to consume. But so many of us, because we delay our obedience, we move from contributor, contributor to consumer. And what consumer says is when I enter church, my life is all about me. This moment is about me. I hope I'm blessed. I got my notepad. I got my fancy pen. I hope something comes for me. And listen, I want you to take notes so that was not a shot at notes. You guys better take notes. You better have your phones out taking notes. But what happens, and what I'm trying to say, is that the call of our lives is not to consume, consume, consume. It's to contribute. That's what God wants us to do. The reason you take notes is so when you read it, something speaks to you. And God says, contribute. God says, give. God says, use your time, use your talent, use your treasures. But do it now. That's the point of what I'm saying. Do it now. I just, I have this belief so wholeheartedly in me. If I don't do something in the moment, I'm not going to do it. I used to be like, you know, like when I'm praying and like the Lord would bring someone to my mind, like, hey, call them or text them. I used to be like, man, like, uh, I got to finish my prayer. It's my time with the Lord, like holy time, holy, holy, holy. But what I realized, if I don't send that text right away, I'm not going to send it. And God put that thought in my mind for a reason, and it wasn't for later. It was for right now. And so listen to this right now. If you guys have your phone out and you're not taking notes, I hope the Lord is bringing someone to your mind to text and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. Because listen, listen, listen. You guys saying, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to miss the message. I'm going to speak to Christians for just a moment. If you are a Christian, you don't need any more messages. 
And here's a secret. This might ruin my life. I've been preaching for five years. I say the same thing every single week. I just say it differently. And I have new stories. But if you're a Christian, the call on your life is not to consume, consume, consume. It's to contribute. If you have to leave this room right now and call someone, go do it. I won't be offended. Church online, you got to exit the tab and text someone, do it. Because listen to this. The call on our lives is not to hear more. It's to do more. It's to do more. And so delayed obedience becomes disobedience. It's not for us to consume. It's, Pastor, listen, like I'm, I'm, I'm in a low season. I need inspiration. I need to be lifted up. Get this. You want to know the most inspirational thing for your life is to sow into someone else. That's going to make you feel so much better than a message. And like I, I love you and I appreciate your compliments. Like you're blessed and, and keep them coming. But one thing I say over and over again to people, I said, hey, 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 if you just consume, 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 I don't care how good the speaker is, I don't care what church you go to, the speaker will run dry. Because we all say the same thing over and over and over again. The reality is this, why do I say the same thing over and over again? Because I'm believing there's people that we're bringing that need to hear about Jesus for the very first time. And I've seen it over and over again. There is not a Christian more on fire for the Lord than the one that is contributing. The one that is bringing people to church week in and week out. And if you guys have experienced, you know what it is. Your favorite week of church was not the sermon, not the series. It was the week your friend came. That's what made you feel good. Them beside you. I don't need anything else. I just want them to be here. Because I think life change can happen. And so God says, don't delay. He says, go today. Go today. I just happen to believe this. Listen to this. Whether you hear church online, someone needs hope today. I always say this church exists for the person that is not yet here yet. This church exists for someone that needs hope, and I hope you're here today. I hope you're listening today. It's the person that says, man, for the last four months, I've been living in fear. I've been in my basement. I don't want to die. I don't want to catch anything. Now, listen, i got a brand new family. I don't want to get sick either. But at the very end of the day, if I do get sick, if I do die, I know where my hope lies. So I'm doing this for those who do not yet know. And that's our job. I'm speaking to Christians. I don't do it a whole lot. But listen, we need to contribute, contribute, contribute. That's the call in our lives. People come and go every single day in our lives. Neighbors, coworkers, friends. What if this was the season that God wanted to use you? This was the neighbor. This was the coworker. This was the boss that you're going to bless. It starts today. Genesis 11, Abraham delays. And so Genesis 12, he finally responds. But I want us to see something. Look what it says. It's not a coincidence that the Bible puts this in. Verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Abram is 75 years old. Why does the Bible tell this? So we know that he's kind of old. And I just happen to believe the reason that he's old, the reason he's now in the later half of his life is because he didn't respond the first time. Listen, I don't want anyone in this room to miss out on what God wants to do in your life in this season right here, right now. I don't care how old you are, old or young, God has something for you today. Right here, right now. Let's not delay Let's not wait until our lives are over. Let's not wait until that person moves and we're like, man, I wish I would have had the chance to just speak to them. Second thing I want us to see 
It says, Lot went with him. So the first time, Abram didn't obey. Second time, didn't obey. So I heard God, that Lot just, just Lot this time. It's because. What's funny, and you're going to see this over the next three weeks, there's this pattern where Abram, the father of faith as we know him, has this tendency to not be fully obedient to God. In other words, to have little faith. Abram, the father of faith, has little faith. But here's the beauty of the story, and I want to close with this. The purpose of this story, and I said this in week one, the purpose of Genesis, because a lot of times we read it, and it's like, man, these are great heroes. These are great patriarchs of the Bible. The point of Genesis is not to paint pictures as heroes. It's to paint people as heroes. It's to paint God as the hero. There's one hero in the story, and it's God. There's one faithful person in the story. It's not Abraham. It's God. It's God. God is faithful. Listen, look at this. God says to Abraham, he says, take one step. Just leave your country. That's it. That's all I'm telling you to do. But then he says this in verse 2. When you do that, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those. I will. I, 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 I. This story is not about Abraham's faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. Listen to this. The reason I'm saying take the first step, take a small step, is because one thing I've realized about following Jesus is that a lot of times it's just showing up. It's just being available, open-handed, saying, God, use me in this season. And when I'm available, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will open doors. I will create conversations. I will, I will, I will. This story is not about the faithfulness of Abraham. It's the faithfulness of God. It's about a God that has this tendency to make things bigger and better than they actually are. It reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 13 says, if we are faithless, God remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. God is faithful when we are faithless. Part of being a Christian is just showing up. Say, I'm available. God, use me. And when we're available, get this. God, Abraham the disobedient becomes Abraham father of faith. Because of God. It's because of God. Now listen to this. Because I know there's people here this morning. People listening online, you're saying to yourself, you know what, like, uh, Abraham's fine, and he's a little bit, you know, messed up, but he's not as messed up as me. Like, I'm sure he knew how to pray at least. I don't even know how to pray. Like, Abraham had it. I don't know if, I don't know if I have it. Look what Joshua chapter 2 says as we turn on the keys on the soundboard. So we can have real vibes. Joshua chapter 2 says this, and, and I told you Abraham's story is very, um, it's a big deal. And the reason we know it's a big deal is that it's littered throughout the Bible. Joshua chapter 2, this is much later. Joshua says this to the people. He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. He says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, delayed. The father of Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. Why is this important? Because I want to speak to anyone today. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel like I'll never know enough. How can I share about Jesus? I'm messed up. How can I share about God? I've just heard about God. Listen, it says Abram and his family worshiped other gods. At the very start of this message, I told you 
that three of the largest world religions are Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Now here's the ironic thing. What makes them an Abrahamic religion and one of the main markers of their religion, of our religion being Christianity, is that we are a monotheistic religion. And what that means is that we worship one God. Abraham is the father of monotheistic religion. Why is this important? It's because when God found Abraham, he was a polytheist. And it says he worshipped other gods. He didn't even worship God and some people. He worshipped completely other gods. But God was able to take the person that worshipped other gods, the person, the person that had never heard about the God of Israel, the person that had never heard of Yahweh, Jesus, and he was able to make him the father of monotheistic religion. Come on, somebody. And so if God can do that in Abraham's life, I just wonder what God wants to do in your life. I just, and, and here's the beauty. I didn't get a touch on it because there's so much. But what God does, he changes our names, right? He goes from Abram to Abraham. And the reason that God changes our names and the book of Revelation says that he's going to change your name too is because what God does is he changes who you were to who you're going to be. How everyone else sees you to how he sees you. I hope Krista hits on that point because there's more to it. I'm not going to steal her sermon. But if God can do that in his life, when Abram just took a step, and he didn't even take that step well, come on, somebody. We're going to see it more in a few weeks. What can God do for us if we open our hands and say, God, I want to I wanna make a difference. God, I'm, I'm here. God, I'm available. And listen, I'm just going to show you this to bless you, just in case you're like, well, does God really show up? The promise he makes in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Did God come through on that promise? Christianity and Islam alone make up 3 billion people. That's over half the world. And so over half the world today, listen to this, considers themselves part of the nation of Abraham. Did God come through on that one? Yep. This is the nation of Abraham. Second thing, this is the bigger thing. In verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. How did he do this one? How, did, how, how is the whole world blessed through Abraham? This is super simple. And I told you why he's important. It's because Abraham makes way for Jesus. Because Jesus came from the seed of Abraham. If you ever read your Bible in the New Testament, it starts with a long genealogy. And some people are like, man, this is so boring. Why do I care about where Jesus came from? The reason we care about where he came from is because it's a confirmation of the promise. The promise that I will bless the whole world through you, through Jesus. Listen to this. Let's just stand for a moment. I just believe this wholeheartedly. God wants to use each and every one of us in this room to change someone's life. And so right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to do something a little bit different. If there's an inclination on your heart right now, if you feel like God is calling you to take a first step, I just want to give God a moment to speak into your life. It's going to be a friend. It's going to be a text. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a degree. But right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one needs to be embarrassed. Let's just open our hands and put our palms up. It's just a posture to say, God, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive what you have for me. We're just going to sit in the silence and let the Lord speak to us. God, whatever you have us to do, whatever our next step is, speak it in this moment. 
Speak it to those online, to those in this room. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you choose us. Thank you that you hashtag bless us more than we could ever imagine. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray that for us in this room, we can be faithful to whatever step you have for us. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Do something amazing in this space, in this room, through these people. We thank you for this church. We thank you for everyone online who are no less part of this church. Come on, somebody. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope it was something that you needed to hear. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca slash connect. We'd love to get in touch with you. Until next time, take care.